Well, I get to sit down tonight with a new friend, Brad Addison, and so let's hear about him and all the things he's done to bring disabled veterans and other people into the hunting field. And so I'm sitting here tonight with my friend Brad Addison. This is the first time meeting Brad, but I got to tell you, you get the highest of kudos from my friend Kim Mobley. She's a big fan. And so basically I'm supposed to ask you, how did she meet her husband or something like that? Was there something about your involvement in that? Well, I've heard the story a few times about how she met Al. Oh, okay. I, I think the time that I endeared Kim to my to oh, her heart was whenever uh, there was a situation with an ex-husband uh -huh. that uh, that I was not aware of. He's a fairly large man, uh -huh. and uh, we were at an event, and Kim and I had just started working together doing um, student council uh -huh. activities at Aurora High School. Mm -hmm. And um, this man came up, and I did not know it was her ex-husband, but was <laughs> having some fun at her expense. And uh -huh. they, I found out later they have they have a good relationship. <laughs> but being from the South, where I was raised, um, I, I took it upon myself to, to uh, I guess challenge the conversation he was having <laughs> with her. And uh, anyway, ever since then, Kim says that. That I, that I won her over that night. That was <laughs> well, to... and so just so we step, you know, so we step back. You are a teacher at Aurora. Correct. And so, tell me what you teach and all that stuff. I teach uh, American history classes of social studies. Uh, this is my twenty-second year at Aurora okay. High School. And well, that's awesome. I also do uh, dual credit. Uh, courses through Drury University there, the Political Science 101 and History 101. Uh -huh. and, uh, and so is that bigger now than it's ever been? Or, you know, now is there more dual credit or how does that stuff um, What we're seeing now at the high school is um, more and more students are having the opportunity to actually graduate from high school with right. an associate's degree, uh -huh. which is a great deal for those kids. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a increase in interest with that, that wasn't even on the horizon no was no not at all and so you are from louisiana that's and correct so tell me about that i was born in baton rouge okay. louisiana and uh that's kind of a little bit of a story about how i got here to missouri yeah um, most folks uh wouldn't understand or believe exactly the the path that, that <laughs> brought me here well tell me um you have the floor I was raised in the in the Florida parishes, okay. the southeast Louisiana. A little okay. bit of history lesson to go with the Florida parishes also. Sure. But uh, Livingston Parish, um, I, I was raised to have a love of the outdoors. Right. And a lot of folks down in Louisiana, hunting sure. and fishing, man, is, is, is a big deal down there. Uh -huh. So particularly the, the hunting that really grabbed my attention at an early age, and it was by more of an accident than anything else, was spring turkey hunting. Okay. At 10 years of age, I went out and, and uh, successfully harvested my first wild turkey. Really? At 10 years of age, and, and it was a pure accident, <laughs> looking back on it now. Uh, my dad was with me, and um, he was not a turkey hunter, and I had 
an old ML Lynch foolproof box turkey call. Okay. And we were just walking through the woods, and I was scratching out notes on that call. Uh-huh. And we sat down at a tree and, and just to rest for a little while. And my dad looked at me and said, do that again. And I scratched out a few notes on that old turkey call. And my dad looked at me and said, a turkey just gobbled. I, I heard a noise, but I didn't uh-huh. even know that it was turkey. I was 10 years old. <laughs> and um, he said, do it again. So I called that gobbler up and I shot him really? at 10 years of age. Wow. And I was absolutely hooked on turkey hunting. And so tell point. me about that. What is the now, the, the appeal of that? Let's talk about Turkey that. hunting, well, particularly where I was from, I mean, it in the Florida parishes, it was a rite of passage in the springtime uh, for a sure. lot of folks. And um, the appeal of, of turkey hunting is that you were trying to get that turkey to go against his nature, against what he was created to be. Okay. And that is that he that the tom the gobbler would actually come to the hen because in nature sure when the tom gobbles that's the hens are sure come to him right so you're attempting to to do something that that uh is contrary to right. his nature and it's a challenge huh. and uh it was a challenge that i that i took up uh, from 10 years old on uh, that was 1979 okay. that tells you how long i have been yeah pursuing wild turkeys <laughs> um a few years later, they started coming out with, with uh, mouth turkey calls, uh-huh. diaphragm calls. Right. And uh, the appeal to that was it was hands-free and you could sure. you would not get detected maybe if you were calling a gobbler up right. and needed to move. And I, I procured a Quaker boy, old boss hen turkey call okay. that came with an instructional cassette uh-huh. that had a gentleman named Dick Kirby was the owner of Quaker boy okay. turkey calls, fine man. Um, his distinction being raised from the south, I, I recall he was he was the first person from above the Mason Dixon line that garnered a high degree of respect on my part. Oh, okay. And uh, that tells you a little bit about how, yes, where I come from. Definitely. And uh, he was from Pennsylvania. Right. Quaker boy turkey calls, and he had that instructional cassette, and I just about wore that cassette out playing it back and forth, <laughs> and I would take that turkey call that I got. And I would practice and blow on that thing until I could sound as close to what I thought Dick Kirby sounded like <laughs> on that call. And I um, started having some success with doing that. Uh-huh. And um, by the time I was a senior in high school, I had entered a, a tri-parish turkey calling contest, okay. which is a bigger event than you would think. Sure. Um, Livingston Parish, St. Helena Parish, and Tangipahoa Parishes. Okay. And uh, some of the best turkey callers, and there were a lot of old-time turkey hunters uh-huh. back in those days. Right. And I managed to take second place in that turkey right. calling contest. Well, you, that was kind of back in the days of the OGs, is what I would say. Yes. You know. And so what was that like to hunt during that time? Turkey hunting was a lot different back in those days. Uh Timber company down down in the Florida parishes, the, uh-huh. the timber companies owned a lot of land, and it was all open right. land back in those days. Sure. It was before the days of the private hunting leases. Okay. So, um, yeah, you would you would go out and search and look for a place where there were some turkeys. And the funny thing about it back in those days was everyone turkey hunted, but no one ever heard or saw a turkey anywhere if you asked them uh-huh. before turkey season. <laughs> Yeah. And if you did find one, you didn't tell anybody. Right. And and guys were prone back in those days to 
go down gravel roads and see a turkey track and get out of their truck and stomp the tracks out so nobody oh, else yeah. would know where there was a turkey. <laughs> it was there was a high degree of secrecy right. involved in turkey hunting. And most of the times, uh, the only time you would know that anyone had ever actually seen or heard a turkey was whenever he was riding it around in the back of his truck. He'd yes. already shot and killed it. <laughs> then he would tell the story about how he'd been listening to this bird gobble for several weeks. And, right. Uh, but wouldn't say anything about it before then. And so basically, what about that kind of at some point led you to the stuff that I've learned you do with the disabled veterans? Well, uh, <laughs> that eventually led me to Missouri. Uh-huh. Uh, How did that happen? Well, I got a degree to teach, okay. and I was, I was teaching high school in Louisiana, and, and from that first turkey calling contest, I had had some success with going to some, some other contests and sure. stuff. And, um, and turkey hunting became a passion for me, but sure. it also became an idol in my life that I placed really? above everything else in God. Um, you know, and, honestly, that is very unusual. Well, there, there's a lot more idols out there than you would imagine. I'm sure that's right. And, um, well, I know it's right. <laughs> Everybody does. True. This. So, believe it or not... Um, at that time, well, Missouri did pay a little bit more, but I came up to Missouri. I was a student of mine in Louisiana who had relatives in Missouri. Oh, really? Okay. And I had heard about the legendary turkey hunting status that Missouri was known as a sure. mecca of wild yes. turkey hunting. Uh, it was considered the number one turkey hunting state in the nation, and, right. and I just had to go there. Uh -huh. And I had a student of mine in Louisiana that had some relatives that had ground in Missouri, and we came up to go spring turkey hunting. And the deal was that I would call a turkey up for him and then I'd get to shoot one for myself. Okay. And that lasted all of about 45 minutes that morning. We both had turkeys. Wow. And I decided that this was the place I needed to live. Really? Definitely. And actually turkey hunting had a big impact upon my decision. Really? To move to the state of Missouri. Okay. And, and so then did you come to Aurora or the other place? I, no, I came to Aurora. I've, I've been uh, in Aurora ever since I moved here. Good. And, um, of course, continue turkey hunting, uh, duck hunting, and deer hunting. And uh, I reached a point uh, that, that I had, I guess, matured enough in, in, as a hunter or whatever, uh -huh. and I had had some success doing it, and right. I started wanting to share that with, with other people. Sure. And I had my own children, and I became aware of an organization called Missouri Disabled Sportsmen okay. um, through an online website. That was actually a, a hunting chat site also. Okay. And uh, I got to meet and know some of those guys. And I had committed to one of the guys that whenever my son, my, my youngest child, was no longer eligible for the youth hunts, that sure. I would start working with the um, Missouri Disabled oh, really? Hunts and doing stuff with that. And um, he held me to my word <laughs> on that. As soon as and he that? kept up with he kept up with how old my son was. <laughs> And he knew, he knew whenever my son was no longer eligible, and he called me up and he said, hey, he said, you said you were going to start helping us with some hunts. And I said, you know, you're right. Uh -huh. So uh, I, started, I started doing that. But I've also gathered that this has become more of a passion for you. Uh, yeah, it's actually opened up in, in the past year or so, um, actually a ministry that I, I feel that, yeah. that, you know, all gifts and abilities and the successes that I've had all come from God. And um, for a lot of years, turkey hunting was a matter of an idol in my life and also 
something that that was prideful. I never really considered myself to be a prideful person, but um, I started picking up, and I I picked up a a book that I'd read many years ago by an author named C.S. Lewis. Oh yeah, that you might be familiar with. That's good. Yeah, and he wrote, of course, a British author. he wrote uh, Chronicles of Narnia and several oh, other yeah. things. But he also has um, some theological writings that he wrote. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mere Christianity. Definitely. And I got to a chapter where he was talking about pride. And like I said, I never considered myself a prideful person. Uh-huh. And as I was reading some of the passages and some of the quotes that C.S. Lewis had on pride, you know, it hit me. You know, he, he, he wrote, and I've, I've got some of these things jotted down here. Uh-huh. Um, he wrote that... Um, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Uh-huh. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Really? Is what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, pride has no pl- pleasure in having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. Right. And that's the one that really hit next to me. You know? Well, you know, I remember, and I don't remember exactly the context, other than it talked about the difference between the, the sins, and it said... When you get to the sin of lustfulness and you you kind of learn that you could do this stuff, but you you know, thinking about the stuff that you could show, you know, would you show a ham hock and then a little bit more of the ham hock or whatever, you know, right. just in terms of like how these how it takes us out of our natural state is I guess how I'd say that. Right. You know, like in That's other words, be you know, be lustful or whatever, it just takes you out of your state and puts you in a different relationship with God would be my idea. Right. And it, it became apparent to me when I, and particularly whenever I read that last statement, and I was reminded being a history teacher. Sure. About a famous struggle between two very famous men and barons of industry. We had uh, Andrew Carnegie. Oh, yeah. And Rockefeller. Uh-huh. Two men that had amassed mass fortunes. Yeah. They were and- extremely wealthy. Even in today's dollars, right. that was even bigger. But the whole point, the pride within each of them right. was that it wasn't enough just to have as much as they had. It was they became involved in a, in a competition sure. to have the most. Right. And even so much as the, it got a little bit ugly with some of their um, competition that one Christmas, and if you've studied history very much, it was... I believe um, Rockefeller bar- bought Car- Carnegie a um, a paper vest <laughs> to insult his Scottish humble beginnings, and uh, Andrew Carnegie in turn sent uh, Rockefeller, a devout Baptist, a bottle of fine whiskey for Christmas that year. Just that they were that much at it at one another because it was the competition over who has yeah, the most. Yeah. And what that spoke to me was, and and this is where I get in a little bit of gray areas that I. It makes me wonder about statutes of limitations and whatnot. But, <laughs> I think uh, you're okay. Be my guess. With the, with the turkey hunting, it became uh-huh. an obsession to be the best. Oh, yeah. To be better than anybody else. Sure. And even though I'd spent a lot of time taking other people and had great joy in taking other people and sharing success with them, right. uh, it, it became a goal that I was okay with that. Unless somebody else killed more than I did. Right. And sometimes um, state guidelines were suggestions on the limits of how many turkeys <laughs> yes. you could take in, in one year. And, and I look back on that and, 
And it's not something I'm proud of. Right. And um, a few, well, actually last year, uh, after I'd started doing some of the Missouri Disabled Sportsman's hunts, and, uh-huh. and I'll, I'll talk in a minute about some of the some of the hunts that we have going on there. Yeah. But I um, got in contact with a, a friend of mine, or he got in contact with me, rather, and a fellow by the name of Guy Zook. Now, he's, okay. he's a well-known turkey hunter in his own right. I uh-huh. suspect if you checked his DNA, he might have more DNA in common <laughs> with a wild turkey. Um, but he is he's a great turkey hunter. Uh, that also knew that that I liked to turkey hunt. Right. And he had become involved in a in a ministry known as Men's Encounter Ministry. Okay. And um, it's a it's a forty eight hour weekend event that they put on five a year. Sure. And um, they have between six and eight hundred men. Okay. From all across the country, and I had known Guy before Guy had become involved in this ministry and had given his life over to God. And he called me one night under the pretense of um, dangling a hunt. He lives in Michigan now, uh-huh. and he knew that I was a school teacher, and he had a hunt scheduled for after the school year was up. And he called me under the pretense of needing another hunting guide <laughs> for the turkey hunt. So he got my attention uh-huh. on that one. And then he said, well, there's this one other thing. He said, and he started talking about the difference that God had made in his life. Sure. And whenever he started talking about that, it, it really uh, hit a chord with me because I knew that what God, what, what Guy had experienced was real. Because uh-huh. I, I knew Guy was not a fake person. Sure. And um, I said, sure, I'll go, I'll go to this thing with you. Okay. So I, I went to the Encounter Ministry, and um, it was a, the most powerful spiritual experience I've ever had. It, the, the term Encounter Ministries, you go there to encounter... A living God. Well, what does that mean? Tell me about that. Well, that we could talk all night about that one. <laughs> you know, I had been around church my whole life. Sure. At one point, even it had felt called into the ministry, and and I did a real good job of evading that and running, <laughs> I was running, say. running from that. But to be a teacher, to separate. Well, that's, that was actually a compromise. See that I worked <laughs> out and uh, doing things my way, right? Instead of submitting to uh, God's calling, but. To me, Christianity is not a religion. I actually abhor and have disdain sure. for religion yeah. and religious things. It yeah. is a relationship, yeah. you, exactly. And it is all about having a relationship uh-huh. with God. And um, it, when I went to the encounter, it really, it, like I said, it was a life-changing experience. And it's, it's hard. Anyone who goes there really has a hard time explaining what it was all about. Uh-huh. Or even describing what it was like, you just right. you have to go and experience it. Sure. Uh, men from all walks of life are there in, in all situations, um, and the thing that that struck me about it was that uh, men from all different backgrounds and denomination came into this building, and there was no division. Uh-huh. Um, denominations and groups of people that you would not normally think would associate with sure. with people outside their group and uh-huh. and um, it works and it worked and um, after I went to that and I started where God changed my life dealt with the pride issues and forgiveness man that was a big one really you know forgiveness of myself and others oh yeah you know to truly to truly forgive sure and um, I started looking at the hunts that I that I do uh, uh-huh. is more of a ministry and sharing God's love 
right. with other people. And whenever I did that, my goodness, the, the doors just started opening up. Well, tell me how left that and right. What does that um, mean? Well, Guy, my friend Guy Zook had asked me to uh, help with this hunt that he was doing in Michigan. Sure. Uh, at the last minute, uh, he called me and, and his hunters in Michigan had backed out. Really? And he said, look, he said, I know you do the Missouri Disabled Sportsman stuff. Uh-huh. He said, do you have anybody? And I, I knew that there was one guy. The, the thing was with the Michigan hunt, it had to be a wounded veteran hunt. It had to oh. be a military veteran with a, 60, with a 60% uh-huh. um, VA disability rating. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just open for anybody. Sure. So um, I knew one of the guys that we had hunted with through uh-huh. Missouri Disabled Sportsman fit that billing so I called him and I said um, hey we have an opportunity but it was last minute yeah Um, deal and he told me he said you know he said I can't make it to that hunt he said but I also know a man here's where the doors start opening up and God starts moving on things he said I know a man named Tron Peterson and he has a ministry that is known as uh, Peterson Outdoor Ministries okay he said give him a call Uh and see if uh, he would be willing to send you some of his guys. So wow. I got the I've got his phone number and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, this guy doesn't know me from Adam. Uh, right. Surely he's not going to just open up his list of men that he ministers to and give to some stranger to sure. take these guys on a hunt up and to I'm Michigan. Sure he did. So uh, I called him up and I told him who I was and I told him, I said, look, I said, we've, we've got an opportunity to take some guys up to Michigan hunt, to hunt turkeys. Uh-huh. And I said, um, the hunt, I said, I know that you run your organization as a Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. I said, this is not necessarily a, a Christian ministry hunt. Sure. I said, but uh, Guy Zook and myself, the two guys that are going to be right. taking the guys out, uh-huh. are both servers at Encounter Ministries, if you are familiar with that. Uh-huh. And Tron stopped me right there, and he said, if you two guys are servers at Encounter Ministries, he said, uh-huh. I will do anything I can do to help you. We, wow. are, we are on the same page. Uh-huh. So he... He got busy and he called me back and I took two guys on last minute notice uh-huh. all the way up to Michigan. Wow. And um, so in doing that, we opened up a relationship with Tron sure. Peterson and Outdoor, uh, Peterson Outdoor Ministries. Uh, in fact, we've got a, um, a, a hunt that we're going to do this spring with uh-huh. him and uh, we'll be taking out some um, military chaplains. Wow. Because Tron... His ministry focuses a lot on, on military veterans, uh-huh. uh, largely as a suicide prevention ministry. Oh, yeah. And uh, there is a great need for that. Oh, yeah. In yeah. the military as well as in society as a whole. You know? Right. So, um, anyway, I, we've, with the Missouri Disabled Sportsmen, uh, we do hunt, that, that is anyone who is mobility impaired. Okay. Uh, is eligible to participate. Uh, Missouri Disabled Sportsmen is a... 501c3 uh-huh. organization, and um, they provide opportunities to approximately 300 mobility-impaired hunters okay. and outdoor sportsmen every year. And so, what has been the most fun? Well, for me, it's going to be turkey hunting. Uh-huh. Turkey hunting holds a special place uh-huh. for me. Um, I We did two deer hunts in Michigan, okay. where we some of our local guys here in Missouri uh-huh. um, have gone up there and hunted. We did a snow goose hunt uh-huh. uh, weekend before last over in the boot hill, okay. um, and that was a new experience for him. It's a lot of work. Uh-huh. Uh, I always thought duck hunters were a little bit crazy because I am a duck hunter, <laughs> but man, those guys that that think 
doing all that work for snow geese. Uh, and <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of work, but well, it's, it's very rewarding. What's too. the hardest thing to hunt? That would depend on who you ask. Uh, right now, with the snow goose hunt fresh on my mind, I'd almost <laughs> inclined to say, to say snow geese. Um, some people think turkey hunting is, is the most challenging, and you hear that a lot. Um, turkey hunting is one of those things that um, once you figure it out a little bit and, and know, know when, to, when to call and when not to call, when to get up and move and when to stay still. Sure. Uh, patience is a big deal with turkey yeah. hunting. So. Well, and you know, I've heard a lot about bow hunting as opposed to mm -hmm. rifle hunting. You know, that's correct. That's a big difference. Right. And then the musket, you know, hunting. You know, that's a deal too. Correct. And so, how do you fall on those <laughs> topics? <laughs> when it comes to hunting, I've done a little bit of it all. <laughs> Um, Sounds like I'm, I'm a bow hunter. I've, I've bow hunted for a number of years. Uh -huh. I will confess that this past year I went over to the dark side. Oh, really? And I purchased a crossbow. Oh, wow. I'm 51 years old and my shoulder is not quite what it <laughs> once was. And um, that's a little bit among the, uh, the archery elites out there. That's, <laughs> that's kind of a persona non grata deal yes, for me exactly. because I, I went to the crossbow. But exactly. that's okay. The I, I was successful with it this year, and it filled my freezer up, and I could not tell any difference in the taste. <laughs> wow! From where it was killed. So. And so, what about the musket hunting? Missouri. When I first moved here, twenty-two years ago, it was a truly, it was a black powder season. Sure. And um, of course, if there's a season open, I'm going to be out there <laughs> doing it. And so, yeah, I've, I've done the black powder. Right. Um, that, that really, that, that's one of my, if I'm going to shoot with a gun, a rifle, uh -huh. that's by far my favorite, really. really. Yeah. Okay, so what is that much, that much harder than the, the bow hunting or what? Uh, no, it's not harder than bow hunting. Archery hunting is going to be the biggest challenge, especially really? if you're focused, which I'm, I do have no claims to being a great deer hunter whatsoever. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> There are guys out there that go out and they, they are trophy deer hunters sure. that are successful every year with archery equipment. And right. that, to me, is probably the greatest challenge in all of hunting, to consistently be able to, to bag trophy class deer really? with a bow and arrow. I'm not one of those guys. Uh -huh. uh, I couldn't tell you much. I am a fill my freezer up with deer meat guy. <laughs> and, Love uh, that's good. And the thing that I like about um, archery season is it gives me a chance to get out there uh, and get my deer in the freezer before the rifle season opens. Yeah. Because I've, being a school teacher, um, one of my one of my uh, secrets, I guess, to turkey hunting is acquiring as many different properties to go turkey hunting. Oh on. yeah, you can never have too many places right. to turkey hunt. And um, I've I've gotten permission on quite a few, but the people that allow you to hunt right. also allow other people. Right, definitely. and I don't want to be out there during rifle deer season coming in conflict with other people that might oh, yeah. mess up my chance yeah. with a landowner getting mad at hunters not getting along right. and uh, lose one of my places that I turkey hunt on. Right. So. And so, what what are some of your favorite stories about what's happened since this God has opened up this opportunity for you? It's just so many of these moments that that occur that are God, what I call God moments. Okay, well, give me a couple um, here. 
here a while back, um, I was having to apply for a social security card. I'd lost my social security okay. card. Uh, no one enjoys going up right. to the social security yeah. office and, and sitting through, you know through that deal. You know, yeah. and I, I was driving to the social security office, and this is after I'd gone to the encounter, and and um, I was driving in my truck thinking about how much I was not looking forward to sitting in that building. <laughs> and I have never done this in my life. But I prayed a very specific prayer that day. Uh -huh. What was it? And I said, God, I said, you know, I'm not looking forward to this. Uh -huh. But no matter what my situation is right now, you're still God. Right. And let me work, do your work. Sure. And send me someone, and it was very specific, send me someone while I am in this building to share your love with. Really? And and I prayed that prayer, and I thought to myself, I've never prayed anything like that before, but I did not go in there looking, so okay, now where is it, God? Right. Show me. I just, exactly. I, I went on in, and I w had been sitting there for about 30 minutes or so, and and, you know, people would come, get up and leave. And, you know, it could have been even as much as saying hello and smiling sure. at someone. I, you know, oh, yeah. I had no idea. And I wasn't going to force an issue with anyone. Sure. And I, I'd been sitting there for a little while. And um, I saw a gentleman sitting in front of me. Uh -huh. And I saw that he had a, he had a Go Army keychain okay. that was hanging down. And then he had his hat. It was an Army hat. Uh -huh. And I saw doing a lot of the hunts that I have done. I know that a lot of our disabled guys, particularly disabled veterans, uh -huh. have a hard time sitting still and being comfortable. And he was sure. he was extremely uncomfortable. Uh -huh. And it was just as if God spoke to me and yeah. said, there he is. Uh -huh. And I said, you know, and, and I'm thinking again, okay, these people are going to think I'm crazy <laughs> if I get up and go over and start talking yeah. to these, these people. And so I said, you know, I said, when he gets up to go to the window, I'm going to, because he had his wife there. And I said, I'm going to speak to his wife. Uh-huh. And I no sooner thought that, and he gets up, he was uncomfortable, and he had to go walk for a little bit to, uh -huh. to get comfortable. So I, I went around, and I spoke to his wife, and I said, you know, I'm thinking, okay, here we go again, you know, total stranger. I said, you know, I said, you don't know who I am. I said, but I said, I was noticing your husband. I said, is he a disabled veteran? And she said, yes, he is. Uh -huh. I said, well, tell me this. I said, does he enjoy doing outdoor things and, <laughs> and hunting? And she said, oh, my goodness. She said, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he would love that. Yeah. And she said, buddy doesn't get much opportunity. I sure. said, okay, there you go. Uh -huh. So I went and I, I found him. And again, I had to go up to him and introduce him myself to who I was. Right. And um, man, I showed him some of the pictures of the hunts. I, I told him who I was and that we focused on doing disabled hunts and uh -huh. with disabled veterans particularly and other people. And he was immediately just blown over. Yeah. That that there would be an opportunity like that. And uh -huh. we had, we had um, just come back from a Michigan archery hunt uh -huh. and the facilities up that we go to in Michigan that were just world-class accommodations. Uh -huh. And I started showing him some of the pictures and some of the veterans that I'd taken up there. Uh -huh. And uh, he was, he said, I couldn't imagine doing something like that. And I said, well, you're not going to have to imagine. I said, we're, this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, We're going to do it. So um, I visited with him for a little while and, uh -huh. and he was, he was extremely touched, and I knew that, that I had that God had His hand in that. Sure, definitely. And uh, we, of course, we exchanged numbers, and here not too long ago, um, I got back in contact with him, and and he he told me, and, and he even mentioned I, I shared a little bit about Encounter Ministries too, and he talked about he, how he and his wife have been discussing 
wanting to get back into church and oh, wow. and repairing relationships with God. Right. And, um, anyway, when I spoke to him the next time, he said, I've, before we say anything else, he said, I've, he said, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh-huh. And I said, okay. I said, because I, I wasn't, I didn't tell him about sure. the prayer that I had prayed. Right. And uh, he told me, he said, I have to believe that God had his hand in us meeting the way we did. Uh-huh. He told me that. Yeah. And I said, I said, buddy, I said, you don't even know the half of the story. I said, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. And I went ahead and told him, I said, before on the drive over there, I said, I right. prayed a very specific prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that just went to show that a lot of times we'll just let ourselves get out of the way. Oh, yeah. And just simple obedience. There was nothing greater, miraculous. It was just sure. simple obedience. Yeah. And following through and not being just a hearer of the word, but a doer. Well, also. and I do think that. You know, you kind of have to get out of the way just to Absolutely. do the stuff you're doing. Yeah. You know, and that's super cool and super fun, you know, and I think that that is a big part of a lot of this stuff is just right. getting out of the way. Absolutely. And so what are your other stories? What are some other things that really fascinate you? Well... As far as turkey hunting, or just whatever you you got the four, like I said. <laughs> did Kim tell you that I told stories? <laughs> no, well she did, but you know whatever. I want to give this opportunity to you because I like listening to people and letting them tell their story. That's what's cool. <laughs> well, there is one. If you want to hear a okay. turkey hunting story, there is one that that kind of stands out. Okay. In my mind, I I have a brother who is, still lives in Louisiana today. Uh-huh. He's uh, two years older than I am. And um, he comes up just about every spring sure. to go turkey hunting. That's right. our that's our brother get-together sure. every year. And some years uh, we would go to Kansas. Kansas would, in the past, would, would be open before Missouri would. Okay. So we would, we would uh, do a whirlwind Kansas-Missouri uh-huh. uh, spring turkey hunting tour. Sure. And um, this particular year, we had gone over to Kansas first and um, went far enough over. My brother had never killed a Rio Grande. And wild turkeys, there are four different subspecies okay. of right. wild turkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the eastern wild turkey here in Missouri. Okay. Uh, the Rio Grande turkey is uh, Texas, uh, parts of Kansas, a lot of the western areas until okay. you get in the mountains and then you run into the Miriams subspecies of turkeys out okay. there. And that's... a uh, a quest for a lot of turkey hunters well, is to get one of each of the four okay. subspecies. All right. Um, is there any big difference, or what? Why would that well, be something to worry about? It's there. There are differences between each of the four subspecies: coloration uh-huh. uh, and the the tail covert feathers. Uh, the mainly for the trophies, or yes, okay. Uh, it's called grand slam. Okay. Uh, the Florida has their Osceola wild turkey. They okay. they claim to have a monopoly on um, on those turkeys. Although I also claim that the swamp turkeys of southeast Louisiana well, that I grew up hunting Florida, are one and the same as the just, Osceola. You know, but uh, I like football, and I'm not a big Florida fan. I'm a Georgia fan. So. I'm an LSU fan. Yeah, this is a good year. Sure you are, yeah. <laughs> it's a good year for LSU fans. <laughs> but anyway, my brother had never killed a Rio Grande turkey, so we went far enough over west into Kansas to okay. get into Rio Grande country. And uh, my brother is a turkey hunter also in his own right. Uh-huh. And um, we went out and, and we were successful that morning getting my brother a gobbler. Uh-huh. 
And on the way walking back to the truck, of course, I'm making calls, going back to the truck, and I strike up and get an answer from a bird that was across a creek. And we get as close as we could to the creek. And this turkey came up and, and was on the other side of the creek. And it was a, a little bit of a poke, but I, I knew that, I, that my gun could kill the turkey. So I shot it. Uh-huh. And I, the turkey went down, and his head popped back up, which meant that he wasn't quite ready to give right. up. Sure. And I was able to pounce on the turkey, and I grabbed the turkey and proceeded to wring the turkey's neck. Uh-huh. Uh, and my brother, of course, I'm, I'm slinging this turkey around. He knocks my hat <laughs> off. And my brother's laughing at me and instructs me that, that that's not the way to wring a turkey's neck. Really? And he had his own method that he uh-huh. believed to be superior to my okay. method. And he he grabbed the turkey and he stepped on the turkey's head and, and twisted his feet around a couple times and then gave him a good tug. And he said, there, that's how you do it. Uh-huh. So we, we grabbed the bird and loaded up. We were tagged out in Kansas. Uh-huh. So we made the trek over to Missouri. Uh, we were hunting in uh, Bates County, okay. Missouri at that time. And we were there for the opening morning of Missouri's turkey season. And uh, we had this turkey that came in. Uh, of course, my brother had driven all the way from Louisiana, so he, right. he felt like that gave him uh, dibs <laughs> on the first shot. Well, old it's the way, the way it normally works. <laughs> and uh, so the bird came in, and he shot the bird, and it did one of these things that turkeys, this dead turkey that went down flopping, uh, promptly jumped back up and took to the air, took off flying. Okay. And my brother emptied his gun, didn't touch him. And I swung around on this turkey. It was a long shot by this time. And I shot the turkey and, fold, and the turkey folds up. Uh-huh. Well, I get over there and the turkey sticks his head up. And I said, okay, we're not going to go through this again. <laughs> I, I employed my brother's technique. Uh-huh. Um, so I stepped on this turkey's head, twisted his legs around a couple times, gave him a good tug. And uh, back in those days, we had the adhesive turkey tags. that Missouri, uh-huh. immediately upon the kill... You affix the turkey tag to the turkey's sure. leg. Uh-huh. So this was open in the morning. So I pull out my tag. We had a, a discussion for a little bit about who actually killed the turkey. Uh, and after a little bit of deliberation, uh, it was determined that that I had I had struck the fatal blow. Yes. So I put my tag on this turkey. Uh-huh. I'm tagged out in Missouri. The regulations read for the for the next week. Uh-huh. So my gun's unloaded. I go back and I I grabbed some snacks and we discussed there was another turkey that was gobbling off in the distance in the woods and we were planning our strategy of how we were going to go after that one because my brother still had a tag. Uh-huh. My gun's completely unloaded. I, I take a few swigs of, of Coca-Cola <laughs> and um, my brother starts striking out across the field to go to this other gobbler and I proceed to go out and retrieve my dead turkey. Sure. And I'm walking towards the bird and I get about 10 or 15 yards from the turkey. And this dead turkey stands straight up and looks at me. <laughs> okay. And puts, gives an alarm putt, uh-huh. and turns around and takes off running like a quarter really? horse out of the chute with my turkey tag stuck to his leg. <laughs> and I, I was stammering. I was. It shocked me so bad I couldn't speak. My gun wasn't sure. loaded. Yeah. So... Um, I finally was able to blurt out, shoot it. And my brother turned around and saw the turkey running. And he would have gotten away. There was no way. And my brother uh, delivered the, the final coup de grace. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then he proceeded to tell me to take my tag off his turkey. <laughs> but uh, that was that was yeah, quite yeah. the deal. And wow. uh, 
we it was it was a pretty one of those situations you'd have had to been there, but we well, later we later discussed what would have happened if someone yeah, later in the turkey season yeah. would have called that Tom in and shot right. it with my tag on his leg right. and my name and address exactly, on it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what are the things we need to learn? You know, what are the things we need to know about but, your organizations and everything else? Like whatever you want sure. to get across to people. Um, first of all, I would I would encourage. Uh, anyone to um, attend an encounter ministry okay. event. Uh, it is, is there a, a website or what is Yes, that? yes. Okay. Uh, EncounterMinistry.org okay. is the website there. And, um, you know, we, we live in a day where where it may not be as popular or common to express a faith sure. in Christianity. Um, and... It, man, it, I, I just can't talk enough about how much it, it is a life-changing. And, and you go there, and for men, it, it's about standing up and be the spiritual leader right. of, of your family. Okay. Uh, be the best husband, best uh -huh. father to your children that you could possibly be. Uh, we go through life sometimes thinking we're fooling everybody. We're not fooling anybody right. with our lives. We're pretty mm -hmm. more transparent than we think we are. Yeah. And um, whenever you start walking with God... Uh -huh. in a relationship, a right relationship with God, uh, other people are going to notice it. And, and people actually, people are starving to death for that, actually. Sure. And right. um, what I can tell you is if you go to one of these events, um, you will see men sharing testimonies, not preachers, uh -huh. just regular ordinary guys, uh, and being as brutally honest about things that men just do not discuss. Okay. Um, and, and it is powerful. Wow. Um, the, my Missouri disabled sportsman, uh, anyone who is mobility impaired, and there are also some opportunities for youth hunters. Um, it is a great organization with a lot of great guys. Uh -huh. And, um, there are a lot of different events just this past weekend. They had a, um, a pheasant hunt. A lot of their activities are geared up towards the Kansas city area and St. Okay. Louis areas. And since I've become involved, we've started reaching out a little bit more in, in southwest sure. Missouri. Uh -huh. um, and the turkey hunt, we have a turkey hunt scheduled uh, for Lawrence County, Missouri. Oh, really? Coming up for the first weekend of uh, the Missouri turkey season. I believe the okay. date, I believe it's 25th and 26th of April. Wow. And, and I'll, be, I'll be guiding one of the turkey hunts out there right. on a farm that we've gained access to and that gives some of our southwest missouri guys yeah. some opportunities to go hunt and um i was just on on the way over here i was received a text message and we might be planning a fishing trip wow. over in the boot hill uh near campbell missouri and uh, the bader farms out there have been oh, good yeah. enough to uh, donate the use of one of their cabins Wow. For our activities out there, the snow goose hunt. Sure. As well as, as possibly something we're planning coming up in May. Uh -huh. And uh, the web the website, if anyone is is mobility impaired and is interested in getting involved uh -huh. with those organizations and maybe you haven't had opportunities to enjoy the outdoors. Sure, doesn't know and it's 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 a great opportunity. Yeah. So um, and that one you do not have to be a veteran to, to take part in those hunts. That's wonderful. So um, We've got that, and we've got the um, with Peterson Outdoor Ministries. Man, I, I can't say enough good about my friend Tron Peterson okay. and the work that that ministry does. And um, 
his his lodge is called Lodge of Hope. Okay. Um, and it's in Vernon County, okay. Missouri. And um, he's always he's needing volunteers. Anybody okay. that, that has a heart for our veterans, interested in doing things like that, I would encourage anybody to do that. Sure. Um, and our Michigan hunts. We've got I've got three turkey hunts scheduled for this this spring that I'm really excited uh-huh. about. And from there, where are they? Uh, one of one is in Lawrence County. Okay. Uh, the following weekend we'll do another one in Missouri, uh, which is at Lodge of Hope through Lodge okay. of Hope and Peterson Outdoor Ministry for the military chaplains. Uh-huh. And then we are planning another uh, Michigan spring turkey hunt. Okay. With all that, you need to brag about your wife. <laughs> you know, she would appreciate you mentioning that. She's clearly living a lot of stuff. She actually went to Michigan with I, I twisted her arm enough that she actually agreed to go to the uh, the fall archery hunt that I did in Michigan. Okay. And um, she she knew my friend Guy Zook. Okay. Uh, and I think I've mentioned before, I actually met him through, uh, his brother-in-law was a good friend of mine, and that's how I met Guy. Sure. Um, a lot of folks that listen to this podcast may be familiar with Guy and <laughs> and a lot of his turkey hunting exports. Sure. Uh, he's, he's pretty legendary status yeah. on that. Um, and so stay, stay your wife. Let's don't get away from that. <laughs> she her. went to Michigan and uh, uh, had a great time. Okay. She didn't. She didn't want to go when the weather was too cold. Uh-huh. Now I, I did take her last weekend down to South Louisiana, where I'm okay. from, and That's visited my parents, and weather. that was perfect. She loved the warm <laughs> weather down there. Sure. But it wasn't too cold when we went to Michigan, and um, we went out on Lake Michigan. Okay. But wow. it I, it does take, and, and my wife is a very understanding wife. Sure. It is a blessing. Great. Um, because you're talking about being away a lot of times. That time, is correct. You know. It's, and so anyway, that's why I wanted to have you down here, and I'm glad I did. And, you know, Kim is going to be a good, you know, tip here. So thank her, you know, too. But, yeah, it's been great to spend some time with you. Enjoyed it. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And it wasn't as painful as you thought. You were kind of worried, but we got it flowing. You know, that's good. All right.